It is a journey of faith. And this morning we want to wrap up the study that we have been doing for several weeks together in Hebrews chapter 11. I trust that it has been a meaningful study for, for each of you. Uh, it has it is certainly challenged me in, in just my own exercise of, of daily faith. I'm, I, I'm struck time and time again with just how easy it is for me to talk about faith and the importance of faith, how easy it is for me to teach you all about the importance of faith, and yet things come slipping into my life, planned, unplanned, that, that then make me realize that faith is sometimes easier in the abstract or in theory than it is to live out. I was wondering this week, have I ever mentioned to you the title of this series? How'd you know that? Oh, a student sitting up here. It's all about faith. Yeah. What's that? Teacher's pet, absolutely. She's a cute one. I like that student right there. You know, I just... You just need to know that, that I, I put thought into sermon series titles, and I know that you guys probably just lose sleep waiting for it to come out, you know, with excitement. It's all about faith, and, you know, the thinking is something like, for the people of God, life really is all about faith. And, and I'm convinced even more probably than, than we realize. So, so this morning as we conclude... I want to remind you just some of the truths that we have learned along the way, and then I want us to really lean into those truths as we near the end and, and read from our final text in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, which will, I think, lead us wonderfully into <clears throat> communion. But again, as the people of God, we understand that there is a theological body of truth that we embrace as the faith. We, we know that it's right belief, it's, it's orthodoxy, but, but so often there is that very real struggle between what I, what I know to be true, somehow moving into that place, the Hebrew mindset would consider it the heart, that place of emotion that place of feeling, that place where, where we make decisions in our lives, getting the truth of what I know to that place that impacts daily thinking and decision-making. The author of Hebrews defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and, and certain of what we do not see. So not just knowing something in our heads, but, but living it with confidence that, that what we believe is, is right and important to believe. You know, and the truth is, I thought about that this week, everyone, everyone has faith in something or someone, small or large ways. Every day, people get in their cars and they drive at high speeds. And they have faith that the wheels aren't going to fall off. But you know, wheels do fall off of cars. It has happened. Often. They drive as if the wheels are not going to fall off. 
That's faith. They have faith. They trust that someone who's coming in the opposite direction at equally high speed is not going to cross the center line. That's faith. Every time we go to the water faucet to get a drink of water. We're demonstrating faith that someone hasn't poisoned the water supply. We eat out at restaurants. <laughs> granted, that may take a larger step of faith than others. And, and we trust that, that, that restaurants have, have gone through the protocol, that food has been prepared safely, that we're not going to get sick. On and on and on, everybody exercises faith. And we've learned that in the New Testament, the word for faith used over and over and over again in Hebrews 11 is the same word that is translated trust and belief. Having faith is to believe and to trust in things that we cannot see and have no control over. That is indeed the part of of everyday life in the human experience. So Karen, can we put our, our first verse up there? Our key verse for the series, we know, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who casually from time to time seek him. He rewards those who are earnest. He rewards those who are going after him with passion because they want more. God exists and operates in the realm of of faith. And to know God takes belief. It takes intentionality in pursuing Him. And, and we asked the question last week together what is God worth to us? Bottom line, what is He worth to us? Do we believe that we are created by God and for God so that we pursue a relationship with Him because we're convinced there is nothing better for us in all of life than Him? Because that is how God has designed it. And it requires faith on our part because we've learned that having faith in the character of... Having faith is, is making a statement about what we believe in terms of the character of God. And here's the thing. As we have read through Hebrews 11, the writer lauds the Old Testament saints for their faith. He's not doing so because they have done something out of the ordinary in terms of exercising faith. People do it all the time. What he's doing is he is applauding them for the object of their faith. Their choice to put their belief, their faith, their trust, their confidence in God who has called them to himself. And we've said from the beginning of the series that that faith is only as good or as vital as the object in which it is placed. And since the intent of the entire letter to the Hebrews is to demonstrate the superiority of Jesus over the law and over the Old Testament sacrificial system, the author views the faith of the Old Testament followers of God as having a glorious spiritual reward because of who Jesus is and what he's done. Even though, and we've, we've said this, it's quite likely that, that the Old Testament saints didn't have the, the developed 
idea that we have of heaven and the afterlife. Blessing of Jesus and his teaching and his life. We heard statements that the author made. Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. The description of others living as aliens and strangers on the earth because they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, writes the author of Hebrews. Last Sunday, we read of Moses choosing to be mistreated with the people of God regarding disgrace for the sake of Christ. Moses didn't know Christ, but he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. The writer of Hebrews sees all that has happened before the cross and after the cross as hanging on what happened on that cross in the person and the work of Jesus. And I've suggested to you that there is a a subtle challenge that's woven into these statements to all of God's people who, who read this letter regarding their faith in God. Karen, can we put the next verses up? Remember how the book of Hebrews began? We looked at this way back in, uh, in week one. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. Again, remember, he's thinking of, of Old Testament uh, Jewish patriarchs. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Last days being first century when the author was writing the book. And on into our days. He's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In other words, you really want to know God, then look at Jesus. The writer's point is, is that God has never revealed himself more clearly than he has in his Son. You ever wonder about the character of God? Look at Jesus. Ever wonder about the intentions of God? Look at Jesus. You ever wonder about the love and the care of God as your heavenly Father? Look at Jesus. The writer of Hebrews states that the ancients were commended for their faith in God. I I love that word, ancients. Those who lived a long time ago. And the writer of Hebrews has in mind, specifically, those who followed after God. They lived obediently to him, and they did it before Jesus. They didn't have, as the writer tells us, the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being to encourage them, to hold them in times of difficulty, to remind them who exactly this God was that they were following. Which then, of course, begs the question, and I think that's where the challenge is to all who read Hebrews in the modern era, what is our excuse for not trusting God as we follow him through life? We have Jesus as our example. And I think this becomes especially important as we consider how the author concludes this chapter. So let's stand together and prepare to read the final verses of Hebrews after going through several of the ancients who 
who have lived by faith, he then writes these words to conclude the chapter. Let's read together. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. My sisters and my brothers, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Man. Let's consider this question together for just a couple minutes. Thinking about what you've just read, all those who went before, some glorious victory, some not so much. What is the point, do you think, that the writer of Hebrews wants to make with this final text? Final words of chapter 11. The great hall of fame on faith. What do you think the writer wants his readers to know. Ask your neighbor what they think. Talk about it for just a couple of minutes. Okay, are we, are we ready? Ready to talk about it a little bit? What do you think? Somebody want to start us off? What did you hear from your neighbor? I love that. Do you hear that? God does things in unusual ways, and don't let that affect your faith. Yeah. Good. Good observation. What else? Our efforts at redemption are worthless. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. What else? What else did you hear? There's a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever hear yourself saying, or do you ever think, gosh, you know, if I just had more faith, God would do great things? <laughs> it's heresy. <laughs> Lee's got wood and matches up here. <laughs> so, what if he doesn't? There you go. There you go. We, we can 
I think, very easily confuse the results of a faith-filled life on this earth with the result, ultimately, of what God is doing to bring glory to himself. I mean, after this thrilling chapter on all these folks who had such great faith and experienced many earthly blessings in life, why this? It's, I think it's, it's a reminder. You know, in, in the words of one of my close friends who grew up in Maine, life is hard and then you die. It just is hard. And, and we all die. And the reality is, it's a stark reality. And, and I hope I don't sound obnoxious because I know I say these kinds of things a lot. But until we get it, and until we embrace it, I'm not sure that we're going to go very far in terms of our relationship with God and the witness that that brings to a watching world. One of the truths of life in Christ that Scripture clearly reveals is that the people of God don't get an automatic pass on the hard stuff of life. And, and, and those who are inclined to think that way, those who incli- are inclined, perish the thought, to teach that stuff, need to rethink it. In fact, for many, life gets harder when they commit to following Jesus. Sometimes his people, many times his people, die fairly comfortably in old age. Others do not. One of the important truths that we have learned from our key verse is that God rewards those who seek him, who seek him. And and, and implied in that, and I'm preaching to myself here, is not seeking him for what he can give me, but I'm seeking him. Because I go back and I, I believe that I really have been created for God and that there is nothing better in my life than more of God in my life. More knowledge of Him. That my, my greatest reward that He can give me is more intimacy with Him, a better understanding of who He is, knowledge of Himself, He gives that to those who earnestly, diligently seek after Him. And we don't deny that God gives material blessings as well. But He also withholds them. Are we okay with that? What have we signed on for? That's the test of faith. We learned early on in Hebrews 11, from the example of Cain and Abel that God makes the rules of how things work. And and I'm sorry if we wrestle with that, but he gets to because he's God. So he makes the rules of how things work. We can dislike that. We can insist on our own way, or we can, in faith, 
assisted, remember, assisted greatly through the lens of Jesus, we can submit to his will for our lives and trust him even when life does not make sense. And again, remember, the, the spiritual heavenly perspective throughout the chapter that the, that the writer lays over some of the stories that we've looked at. You know, again, we, we don't really know what the afterlife was for those ancients, for those early Hebrews, but we know what Jesus taught about the afterlife. And the writer of Hebrews would have known that. Life on this earth is not heaven. There is a a promise of something better to come. And I believe believe that nothing, and and I really do mean nothing, nothing will test the substance of our faith more than trials and hardships. I still don't know what else it would be. You know, and, and some of them happen simply because we live in a fallen and broken world. Others come because we are the people of God. And the powers of darkness strike out against the people of God. But if there's something that the book of Job teaches us in those first two chapters, again, Job didn't know what was going on. We have the blessing of reading those chapters. The powers of darkness require the permission of God to do what they do to create trouble and hardship in the lives of God's people. So then the question is, well, how do I feel about a God who grants permission to the powers of darkness to trouble my life? Well, again, how deep is your faith? How deep is my faith? How How much do I know God? How much time have I spent pursuing Him and being blessed with greater intimacy and knowledge of who He is in in those quiet and private places of my heart? God is sovereign. Jesus, our lens, believed that. And He lived that. And again, God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I believe that the seriousness with which we seek God on a daily basis is what is going to carry us through the difficult times because God rewards us with himself when we are determined that there is nothing more worth having than intimacy with him. We can bear up under the trials of life no matter how severe they may be. If we know, if we know, and knowledge will come with experience of Him and His faithfulness in our lives, if we know without a doubt the good and loving and faithful character of God. I'm just going to say this. My wife doesn't like it when I talk like this. I may find out in October that my radiation didn't kill the cancer. I may. I don't want to find that out. But I'd be an idiot to think that I might not. And so, what am I going to do? Well, 
I've been thinking about that. What I really want to do, and I'd love for you to pray with me and to hold me to this, I want to lean in to the one who is sovereign over my life. I don't want to whine. I probably will. I don't want to be fearful. I hope I'm not that very often. But determining ahead of time, what if? That's just my example. We've, we've all got our what ifs. You know, when, when the thoughts pop into our heads about the what ifs, it's not a bad idea to rehearse ahead of time who we want to be by God's grace and strength when the what ifs actually visit our lives. To not be surprised because, as I said, God's people don't get a pass. But what they get is God. Nothing better. Nothing better. And, and, and again, let me just remind you of that huge gift of living on this side of the cross We have in Jesus the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Never take that for granted. See it for the blessing that it is and allow Jesus' revelation of God and his Father, teaching of kingdom values and his example of of life in the face of suffering, allow that to strengthen us to encourage us, to remind us that that God is found faithful through the hurt and the pain and the disappointments of life. And again, we're only going to know that when we pursue Him and we make time for Him and it becomes a priority in our lives. We can also sprinkle into that mix time with those who are pursuing the same thing and are encouraging us by their lives, and the truth lived out in them. I think I have I've told you this story before, but it, it just came to my mind this week, and I wanted to share it again. I think it is so powerful as we consider this final message in Hebrews. Judy Anderson uh, grew up as the daughter of missionaries in, in Zaire, I think her, her husband, I think, now serves in, in Africa with, uh, with World Relief. I'm not sure about that, but I think that's the right name. Anyway, as a little girl, she remembers living in Zaire at that time, going to this day-long rally celebrating 100 years of Christian missionaries that had been coming to that part of Zaire. And after a full day of long speeches and, and music there was a, an old man, she says, who came before the crowd and he insisted that he be allowed to speak. He said that he was going to die soon and that he alone had some important information and if he did not speak, that information would go to him, go with him to his grave and, and he didn't want that. He explained that when Christian missionaries came 100 years before, his people thought the missionaries were strange and he thought that their message was unusual. The tribal leaders decided to test the missionaries by slowly poisoning them to death. Over a period of months and years, 
both children and adults would die. Then the old man said, it was as we watched how they died that we decided we wanted to live as Christians. That story had gone untold for for a hundred years. Those who died painful, strange, horrible deaths, they never knew why they were dying. They never knew what the impact of their lives and their deaths would be. They simply stayed the course and had faith in God as they trusted in His Son. You know, brothers and sisters, as people watch our lives, as they know that we are followers of Jesus, my prayer is that they would would see a, a deep and abiding faith in us as the people of God. And it doesn't mean that we have all the answers. It doesn't mean that we can easily explain the hard stuff, but, but, but where our confidence is couched is in the character of God. We are confident that He is good, that He is faithful, that He is, he is worthy of our trust no matter what we are going through. I think that's why the author of Hebrews ends that chapter that way. Because God's people always need a balanced perspective on life as the people of God. There's good and there's bad. There's pain and there's happiness. But regardless of what happens here, there is a greater reward for those who are people of faith. Let me, let me close by reading those two final verses again that we read together. These were all commended for their faith. So he's, he's talked about those who were amazing examples of faith and ended well. And then he gives us that section of others who had amazing faith and life didn't end well. And then he says, these were all. All means both camps of people. These were all commended for their faith. And yet none of them received what had been promised life prior to Jesus and the cross. God had planned something better for us. Gosh, there's that language of privilege. God planned something better for us, those living after Christ and the cross so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Referring to all of those who who died easily and those who died horribly. None receiving the promise, we living on the other side of the cross, having been given the blessing of Jesus and a better view of what God is up to all together. The end result is that all those before Christ and all those after, based upon their faith in Him, in God, 
will together be made perfect, complete, as his people in the very end of all things. Brothers and sisters, may the Spirit of God who indwells his people, who indwells us, remind us often and push us to pursue God, to know him better, to have our faith deepened and and stretched and, and enriched so that we might be those who stand faithful for him. Whether things are good, whether things are hard, it's all about his glory and his faithfulness to us for all of eternity. Amen? Amen.